A quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. Welcome to episode number 51. This is Mike Frost, and today on the podcast, we'll be discussing the great topic of inflation and what you might want to do about it. First of all, let's welcome to the podcast. Matt, our Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor. Matt, you ready to talk about inflation today? Yeah, I am. Hot topic as of late, so this will be good. Very hot topic. And also today, we have someone joining us. We have Natalie, our producer. Natalie. Hello. And with us today, we have Erica, who is our intern. Welcome, Erica. Hello. Isn't that a nice voice? That'll be the best voices y'all hear today. Okay, so Erica's going to be working with Natalie on producing our podcast going forward. All right, so let's get talking about inflation, Matt. A lot of it's been in the news recently about inflation. What is the definition of inflation? Yeah, so I'm going to read straight off your little cheat sheet here, Mike, to give them kind of the, the Webster's definition. So inflation is a measure of the rate of rising prices of goods and services in an economy. So Different ways you can look at inflation of decreasing purchasing power, increasing cost of goods. One way or the other, your, your dollar's not go, going as far. A real quick example everybody will understand. A year ago, Matt, what did you pay for a gallon of gas? Lesson is today, I don't know what it was, dollar something. Under $2, I believe. It was under 2 bucks a year ago, and now in some parts of the country, it's over $3. So... The same unit of measure, a gallon of gas, is more expensive today than it was a year ago. So that is the technical term of inflation. Okay. Well, there's a couple types of inflation, Matt. Uh, there's one called cost push inflation. What is that? Yeah, so cost push is, just think of it like the reason inflation is happening is because the costs of goods are going up. So the costs are pushing prices up, meaning it's it's taking businesses, producers, more money to produce the same material, maybe in the form of wages. So maybe wages have gone up, maybe the raw materials to produce those goods have gone up. So naturally, those businesses are going to have to charge more, so prices are going to go up. And that's that's cost push inflation. We've seen the cost of food go up in the past year. Right. You know, people, it costs more to uh, produce chicken wings now. I mean, there is a shortage of chicken wings. Who knew there's a shortage of chicken wings? But now they cost more to produce, to kill chickens and so forth. Okay, so cost push. How about demand pull inflation? Yeah, so demand pull inflation is when, so let's say everything else remains constant. So production costs, wages, everything, but the demand for something really goes up. So just the simple supply and demand equation, demand's higher, same number of goods, even if those goods cost the same to produce, it's going to push the price up because they know people know they can charge more for it because it's it's a high you know in demand product. Kind of like paper towels and toilet paper last year, everybody wanted it, so yeah. you, you it's hard to come by, so they could raise the you price. You could have up. charged for whatever you wanted for a roll of toilet paper about for about a month or two last year, and, and people would have paid it. Yeah. 
Okay, let's talk about how you measure this thing called inflation. There's two measurements. Most commonly known one is the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. So how is it measured? So the CPI, they it's basically a survey. They, they survey like 23,000 or so businesses um, and record prices of something like 80,000 consumer goods. And so they're just keeping track of based on what those businesses say and what the goods, how the goods prices change. You know, it's just doing a direct analysis of the, the, the change in pricing. So that's really the impact on us as consumers. Is the price going up? Is it going down? Staying the same? Okay. So 23,000 businesses are surveyed, over 80,000 items. Goodness, that's a big survey. The, the other one is less commonly known. It's called the producer price index. So if the consumer price index is how what we pay for it, the producer price index would be the people that are making things. So what would be included in some of those items that would be in the index? Yeah. So example is like we talked about fuel, uh, farm products, chemicals, metal, a lot of raw material stuff. So you're talking to the producers of goods and asking, you know, looking at how are the materials that they're buying? How, how is the pricing of those product, uh, those goods changing that they need to produce the end, end goal? Okay. So we got what inflation is, basically the cost of goods going up. We, we talked about types of inflation, what causes it, all right? Now, why are we talking about inflation today? Well, numbers just came out for April. April, the inflation rate is 4.2%. That means we're paying 4% more for goods and, goods and services than we did the same time last year. What happened last year this time, Matt? <laughs> We got a global pandemic dropped on top of us. The global pandemic, and it drove a lot of prices down because everything got shut down, right? Right. So it's really kind of going against an artificial low number, but it still is 4.2%. It's what, you know, Powell and the, the, all the big wigs up at the uh, Fed have been saying, I think the term they, transitory is the term they've been using, saying that, you know, any any year-over-year analysis you're doing right now, it's going to be short-lived because of the months you're comparing it to in 2020. But that's the big question mark is like, is it transitory or is it longer lasting? And if it's not, the 4.2% is the fastest inflation rate rise since 2008. And for those of you like Erica, that may be too young to remember what happened in 2008. I mean, it was rough to say the least. Uh, markets dropped. 401ks went to 201ks. So it was a rough period. And so that's what got have people a little bit antsy right now with this inflation heating up. The Fed saying, hey, we want to keep it around 2%. Average, what's been below that. So to get to average, you got to let it rise above it. Well, they've achieved that. It's 4.2%. Okay, Matt. So what are some of the impacts on us uh, due to inflation? Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's you know, it, eroding your purchasing power is basically what most people, your average person, is. that's what they're afraid of when they think of inflation, right? They think of just increasing cost of goods and will my will my income be able to keep up with that? Or if this is longer lasting, you know, if we have multiple years of double digit inflation, you st really start to feel that in your grocery bills, your gas bills, you know, utilities, all of those types of things. Well, if you're still making the same amount of money, then that starts to put a lot of pressure on just your monthly budget and your, you know, what you have to spend, your excess income. So that starts cutting into that really can hurt um, industries like tourism and some of your, um, 
you, you know, extracurricular kind of spending activities because people have to take more of their salary to buy the, the necessary goods that they need so they don't have as much discretionary income to spend on the extra stuff. So there's a lot of impacts just on the consumer level um, in terms of just not having, you know, the same amount of it taking more money to buy the same amount of goods than it did maybe a year or two ago. And just like the gasoline example, I mean, we're paying less than two bucks last year. And now we're paying three bucks or more. That money's got to come from somewhere. I mean, you're going to have to take it from something else you might were doing, like you're talking about going on vacations or something. Well, here, here's another impact. It says it encourages spending and investing. Well, how does inflation do that? Yeah. So, well, because you can't, you can't afford to not be invested, really. Um, you can't, cash is extremely infl- expensive in a high inflationary environment, right? So let's say you have cash sitting at the bank. You've had a lot of cash sitting at the bank. In a low inflation environment, you're not feeling the impact of that. There's not a cat, what they consider a cash drag. So this is a way this just kind of came to mind. A good way to look at it is you see in an investment Sometimes people refer to the cash drag being kind of like an expense, meaning what are you giving up with the amount of cash that you have in the in your account and how much is that costing you from lost opportunity cost? So there's a there's a cost associated with cash in the form of cash drag, meaning if the costs of goods are going up 10 percent a year and you've got cash at the bank sitting there earning less than one percent, you're you're losing money. Right. Your value of your account may be staying constant, but the purchasing power of that is literally going backwards. And so that can encourage people and should encourage people to look at where could I have this money, you know, still looking at the risk rewards and managing risk. But where can I have this money for the longer term so that not only is that is that appreciating, but hopefully at the very, very least, just keeping up with inflation. Well, Yahoo Finance has a real neat example here. Talk about Apple stock. So back in 1980, if you bought a share of Apple stock, it'd been $29. So you could either buy Apple stock for $29 or you could put $29 in your savings account. Or let's say you bear it in a coffee can in the backyard. Well, by February 13th of 2018, that $29 would have been worth $7,000. And if you took that $29 out of your coffee can, it, it wouldn't be buying what $29 would have bought in 1980. So it will encourage investing because investing over the long term has outrun inflation by a large margin. Around 10% is what the stock market has averaged for about 80 years, give or take a few percentage points, where inflation has topped out, you know, 4 or 5%, something like that during that time frame. All right, so investing. So inflation could cause increased investing. All right, what about, it can cause more inflation. What? I mean, if you have inflation that costs more, and then now if you're an employer, you need to start paying more, all right? So now you have to raise prices to pay people more. That means the prices go up even more. And so now we're in a cycle here, which could cause inflation to keep going up. So yes, it could. Trust me on that, Matt. How about the cost of borrowing? Yeah, so the cost of borrowing, and this was interesting as I was starting to look at it, and it, it, it makes sense, but you look at it in two different ways. So it can actually increase the cost of borrowing, but also lower the cost of borrowing. So what I mean- Wait a minute, Matt. Wait a minute. You're, you're, you're double talking, Matt. Yeah. It can increase the cost of borrowing and lower the cost of borrowing at the same time? Well, so the most, the simplest way to look at this, for for future borrowing, it increase, it'll likely increase the cost because rates will likely increase with higher inflation, right? So- 
we've been at darn near zero rates for across the board for a while now. So borrowing has been very, very, very cheap. Um, as in inflation ticks up, you know, the Fed will will start to implement and change their monetary policies, which is their their money supply, the money they're pumping into the system, as well as the the um, discount rates or the bank rates, right? Fed fund rates. So that will start. You'll start to see that with mortgages going up and various things. And I'm not predicting this. I'm just saying in an inflationary environment, higher inflationary environment, rates will go up. And so that raises the cost of borrowing, right? You might get a five-year mortgage, 30-year mortgage, 5% 30-year mortgage versus, you know, I got one last year at two and a half percent. Now you're bragging, Matt. You're bragging. That makes it more expensive, but it can lower the, the, the real-time cost of money that you have borrowed in the past because let's say you've borrowed money at two or 3% and inflation takes off, right? Things are getting more expensive, but you've you've got a fixed locked in interest rate, right? So maybe your wages start to increase. Well, the the um, cost of that debt and paying that debt is now actually getting easier, right? If your wages are rising, other things are getting more expensive. Now your $2,000 mortgage doesn't feel as expensive 10 years down the road if, if we've been in a higher inflationary period. So there's different ways you can look at, at, at rates and debt and the impact inflation has on it. You know, it can be good or bad, kind of depending on what you're wanting to do and who you are. And some key points there, you have a fixed rate right. mortgage. And I think Natalie did the same thing last year, got in at a very low fixed rate mortgage. And so as over time, you guys are paying that off and your salaries go up, you're actually, it's cheaper for you. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Uh, and so that might be a key takeaway for us. Hint, hint, it is. If you have a mortgage right now and you haven't refinanced in the last year, you might want to consider that to lock in these once in a lifetime low rates, we feel. Yeah. All right. How about it could reduce or increase employment? Yeah. I mean, well, we've been talking about wages, right? So this is, it's a balancing act for all, for businesses. You have to pay people more. Can you afford to keep the same number of a people on staff if you have to pay pay them more for the same work it's not it's not necessarily that you're getting more work done but the wages and the expectations for people are going up so um you know a, or, or the the opposite is true if the prices that you're able to charge are going up right revenues going up maybe you're able to employ more people if the wage if if the inflation on wages is not keeping up with the inflation on goods then you'd see potentially a, a hiring boom to some extent because revenue's increasing, but the cost of your each per per employee cost is not going up at the same rate. So there again, it's just dependent on the situation, but it can definitely impact you know employment in either way. Well, right now we're seeing it with well, we, this demand pull inflation is what you're talking about. There's a bigger demand for products and services, and there's unemployment signs or employment signs everywhere wanting people to come to work and people are fighting for those people having to pay higher wages for them and putting more people work more money chasing it i mean again that could be a positive cycle for us yeah it could i mean the, yeah one one thing i want to make sure everybody knows is like when we talk about these things um you know inflation we talked about um on our last podcast Capital gains. Capital gains, step up in basis. And, you know, it's not that this is always a bad thing. And it's not that inflation has to be a huge negative. 
it, it definitely can be. We go always want to go back to it's just something to educate yourself of on and be aware of, and so that you know how to plan and prepare, and and know like for example, if you're sitting on a bunch of cash, what's your longer term plan for that? Great point, Matt. You're going to lead us right into so our listeners saying, yeah, okay, I get it. We think inflation is heating up. We got evidence it's heating up. The Fed says we're going to let it heat up. Uh, they don't think it's going to be long term. We don't know. So. For our listeners, what are some things they can do now to prepare if this thing keeps running? Um, I said, feel like I said every pod, but, but just have a plan. I mean, what's your long-term plan? You know, be invested. Um, don't have too much cash. You know, and I'm not saying go out and take more risk necessarily, but, um, you know, if, if you've got a huge amount of cash or a large amount of cash because you've been worried about some stock market correction, right? I know there's been people sitting on larger amounts of cash since... 2013, 12, 13, 14, people have been nervous about how quick the market recovered. Well, you, you've you been able to afford to do that because rates and inflation has been almost non-existent, right? Well, if inflation ticks up, that's going to really start to cost you. So what's your longer term plan? Be invested. Equities, have, like Mike said, have generally and historically outperformed inflation. Um, there's risks associated with all investments. So you want to be aware of that. But if you have a longer term plan in place, you know, you, you can typically manage around that. Other other assets like um, real estate, specifically commercial real estate, precious metals, you know, there's there's arguments or, or, or cases that can be made that those are good assets to own in higher inflationary environments. Um, you know, the newest and latest, and I'm not proposing this at all, but it's like the cryptocurrencies. Like, well, how will cryptocurrencies perform? You know, will they be a hedge against inflation? You've kind of seen the arguments made. Well, those are great great points, but we haven't lived through it yet. Like what, how will cryptocurrencies react um, if and when we get into a higher inflationary environment? So j just conversations, Google stuff, talk to your advisor, educate yourself. You're never going to do yourself harm by just educating yourself on these topics. Those are great points, Matt. So like you said, that in equities being invested in the long term outweighs any inflation that we might deal with. So but you got to know your risk tolerance for that. And what about if you're there, someone's planning a major purchase, like buying a house or a car or a boat or land, it would now be a good time to do that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Again, if you, depending on if, if you know it's a purchase you're going to make and it's already in the plan, right? Then absolutely. Borrowing now when the rates are low, buying now before inflation gets too hot, right? Again, if I wouldn't encourage someone to go do it just for the sake of doing it. But if, if that's been in your short-term plan for a while now, then you might consider speeding that up a bit. Um, now, prices on homes, for example, especially here in Northwest Arkansas, they've already gone way up. So, um, you know, that could easily continue. So, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're buying, the problem with waiting is you have to be okay waiting a while, right? Well, and you mentioned, you mentioned homes. I did a building project at my home here recently, and it's, it's completed. But if I were to do it again today, I mean, it's not even six months old. It would probably cost me at least 10 to 15% more. So if you're thinking about a major purchase and you're either going to borrow money, or you're going to pay cash for it, uh, waiting might not be the right thing to do. You might need to pull the trigger on that while that money will buy more goods and services than it would possibly in the future. Right. And the thing about, and this is a really good conversation because we've been having, I've been having a ton of questions about this, you know, people looking at should I buy, should I go ahead and buy a house? Should I go ahead and build my house? Should I go? And, you know, they're wanting, they're kind of hoping or looking at waiting to see if prices come down. Well, the opposite of that is if rates tick up and let's use the home price, for example, 
and let's say you borrow money at 4% instead of 3%, over the life of that 30-year mortgage, you're most likely going to far outpay for what you may have saved yourself trying to wait for price, the home price to come down 5 or 10%, right? And so there's things that you have to look, you have to look at the bigger picture, not just, oh, this house is now 400,000. Well, six months ago, it was 370. Should we wait for it to come back down? No, I would say no, because rates are still really low for borrowing money. And two, you might be waiting a while. There's nothing saying that home is ever worth 370,000 again. And so just look at it, talk, have those conversations, ask yourself and put together a plan. And along that same lines, if you have a mortgage that you've had for a period of time, you might want to check on what the status could be for you to refinance. Maybe you could lock in on some of the lower rates. If you've got a four plus percent rate or maybe even three and a half, you could probably do better depending on your credit score and all those things. Uh, but at least ask the question and find out. That way you'll know. And Matt, you touched on it earlier about, hey, you know, if you got a lot of cash, uh, we know people that have CDs. CDs now are paying less than a half a percent, I believe. I don't know exactly. And if you're going to be paying a, you're going to have inflation of more than 4% and your money's earning a half a percent, you're going broke slow. Yeah, that's painful. That's, you know, people, people are concerned about, you know, the market movements, right? No, I don't want to lose money in the market. Well, that's a perfect example. You're still, you're losing money. It's just losing it slowly. And how long are you going to sit there and let, let that just, you know, trickle down to worthless um, if you just leave it sitting there in cash forever. So if you're in a, a fixed uh, type of investment, like a CD, a multi-year guaranteed annuity, uh, sitting in cash, in a money market account, and you're not earning at least the inflation rate, you're going backwards. Uh, you think, well, it's safe, like Max said, but actually you're losing purchasing power. So you should have that conversation with your fiduciary financial advisor. All right, Matt. So we've talked a lot about inflation and we talked about what people can do. Uh, any parting words on inflation? No, other than just, I think we're potentially, who knows, but potentially getting out of the, the long run we've had of really low to non-existent inflation, right? We're going on a couple decades now, really, of basically non-existent inflation. So you go back and look at historical charts. There's several periods of time where we've had double-digit inflation for several years in a row, three, four, five years of 10, 12% inflation. So historically, there's no reason to think it couldn't happen again. Um, I'm not saying we're, we'll be there in 2022, but just be prepared. Put the, Again, put together a plan. Have those conversations. You don't want to be stuck um, off, you know, getting caught off guard or surprised when all of this is hitting me in the face. It's all, it's what you see in the news, you know, so have the conversations and, and prepare. Matt, I, I'm old enough to have lived through the seventies with double digit inflation, double digit interest rates. And there's been a lot of um, comparisons to our current administration, to the administration that was in place then, not a political show, uh, but there's a lot of comparisons talking about the lines for gasoline and different things like that and inflation heating up. So uh, again, we're not predicting anything here. We just want you to understand, know what your situation is. And if you need to make some changes, now's the time to do it. All right, Natalie and Erica, tell the folks how they can send questions about inflation or anything else about their money uh, to us here at the Mach 1 Market Moment. 
Yes, if you have any questions, we would love to get them answered for you. You can email podcast at mock1fg.com or you can go to our website and click on the podcast tab and there is a form you can fill out there. And if you email us, Erica would be so happy to reply to you and tell you when your question is going to be um, asked and when it's going to be answered. And if you have any suggestions for guests you'd like on the show, we would uh, appreciate those as well. Erica, do you agree with Natalie? Yes, said? I do. A good answer. Good answer. We're glad to have Erica with us. Well, thank you both, Natalie and Erica, for producing the show and all behind the scenes work. And yes, they make us look good on the podcast. All right, here's our thought of the day. And this is from former President Ronald Reagan. It's about inflation. He said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. One more time. Inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Well, folks, that's it for today. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.